I have walked out on a pool deck <laughs> and oh, been like, excuse me. <laughs> and it didn't go over very well, so I didn't do that again. No. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, welcome to Fit to Be Radio. Slip on your minimal sneakers, notch your headphones into your ears, tuck your smartphone into your pocket, and take us along for a walk while we talk. Or just grab a cup of your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch a bit while we bring you all things fitness, core, and diastases recti related. Okay, I'm recording, guys, so don't interrupt me, okay? I love you, but don't talk to me. Hey everybody, welcome to Put the Radio. My name is Chris Tanky. I'll be your host today. I've got with me Buff Lynn. She's the CEO and founder of Put the Bee Studio. We also have a guest I'm excited to talk to. Her name is Nicole Kazeen. She's the founder of Pelvis Candy, which is an actual physical clinic as well as a website with a lot of resources. Nicole's a pelvic health physical therapist. Nicole, thank you so much for taking some time and talking to us today. Oh yeah, thanks so much, you guys. I'm super glad to be here and talking all things bladder. Yeah, awesome. Well, I I am currently recording this podcast with you guys at a coffee shop, so I am excited to see how it goes as I start talking about pelvic bladder and other interesting issues, what the looks I get around the coffee shop actually are. Um, this is a first. I don't think we've recorded in the coffee shop before, but I'm not sure. But it'll be interesting. Nicole, where are you coming to us from? So I, my clinic right now, I'm coming in from my treatment room, and my clinic is okay. in Orange County, California, in a little town called Laguna Hills. Um, it's in Southern California. We've been around for about two and a yeah. half, almost three years, actually, in April or May, and okay. we're super stoked about it. That's awesome. And, and so how do you like it? How long have you been there? So we've been there about, so it'll be three years in April, May-ish. And um, yeah, so we've, we specialize exclusively in um, men and women with pelvic health conditions. That's why we named the clinic Pelvic Sanity. We kind of wanted to, we kept having, my husband actually runs some of the business side of the clinic and I always would come home before we started and um, I would always be like, man, this is so insane. Like this person has that and that person had to go through seven doctors before they found me and they're better in four visits, that kind of stuff. And so when we were bouncing around names and stuff, we were like, I didn't want to call it my own name. And uh, we wanted to have pelvic somewhere very prominent in the, in the name. So we decided to call it pelvic sanity because that's what we hope to restore for people that come into our world. So right. that's awesome. That makes so much sense. So you're, you basically want to restore sanity to all pelvic issues. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. For men because and you women are, crazy. are not um, exempt from pelvic floor issues and core issues. So um, we treat both men and women, which is a little bit of a, a difference. I think a lot of uh, pelvic health physical mm -hmm. therapists, yeah. you know, specialize in postpartum and stuff, which is awesome and great. But um, we wanted to include men in our practice as well. So yes, thank you for doing that. You're representing welcome. us. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so today we wanted to um, dig into something that I don't have any idea what it even is. Um, so let I'm, me say I'm excited to learn. Uh, let me. I'm glad that you'll say it because I'm reading it on my notes here, and I'm just not sure how to even say it. That's, <laughs> I'll be the judge. He does it better. Okay, yeah. interstitial cystitis. Okay, Chris. And I'm gonna be honest. Wait, Chris. Now you have to say it. 
interstitial cystitis, which is cheating because you just said that. <laughs> totally. That's what business partners do. They give each other a leg up. I did not know anything about this um, until I saw a post by Nicole on Instagram and thought, wait, hold on. This is a pelvic health therapist talking about this. I thought that was a condition higher up in the body somewhere. Yeah. And so I did a little digging and realized she's the only one I knew of talking directly about it. So I reached out to her and asked her to be on the podcast because it is related to core pelvic bladder health issues. Absolutely. So what is it? So good what question. What the heck are we talking about? <laughs> so here's the deal. So it's, I think that you know, kind of along with endometriosis, um, interstitial cystitis is one of the most um, misunderstood and misdiagnosed um, public health conditions around. There are many even like urologists that um, don't even quite know exactly what it is or the treatment protocol that someone should go through. Mm. Um, so what it is, is the actual formal definition is a bladder pain condition. Actually, it's more of a pelvic pain condition where you have two main symptoms. Um, most people, urinary urgency and frequency, and some sort of pelvic pain right above the pubic bone. Now, the formal mm -hmm. de definition says that that is per the pain is perceived to be a part uh, coming from the bladder itself. So, okay. and then we can delve into so a lot like of that. So it's a basically like it's also known pain, as, it's yeah it's also known as bladder pain syndrome painful bladder syndrome mm. um, so oh, okay. we've heard of it in that those type of terms um, and but the the formal name is interstitial cystitis or we call it IC for short but it has a ton of different names that go along with it but it basically means urinary urgency frequency some sort of pelvic pain that or painful urination type of condition. Okay. What Got I read it. said that people often think they have a bladder infection yes. and but there's no infection oh, okay. they go to get tested for a urinary tract infection or a bladder infection but there's no infection and then they have this pain and their doctor's like well you're fine or here here's some medication like when i looked it up it was the cure or the treatment is all these meds right so, so what's the role of physical therapy yes good question okay so a lot so let's talk about the symptoms first real quick um sure because so you're right most people either start with a uti um, a real uti like one that cultures actually positive um, for bacterial infection or they think that they do it cultures negative or you don't have evidence of an infection but you still feel like you have one and so um mm -hmm. and it lasts for a long time and it is relentless and so it can be extremely extremely painful pretty debilitating it causes urinary frequency which means you go to the bathroom way more times during a day than the normal person uh, or the average person. And then also it disrupts your sleeping because you're waking up at night to pee. And, um, and then it's also very painful. Um, and, and, and this is where um, the pelvic floor comes in because if anybody had to feel like they had um, a bladder infection, you instinctively are going to kind of hold. You don't want to pee, it hurts, your muscles contract. Right, and so because of where the bladder sits in the pelvis, it literally sits right on top 
of some pelvic floor muscles. And so those muscles can get irritated and then those muscles can irritate the bladder, the bladder can irritate the muscles, can irritate the nerve, do, do, do. And then we have a, a unfortunate spiral of, of symptoms where, um, yeah, wow. they just like sort of piggybacks on itself. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is how some of the pelvic floor can be involved. Now, the interesting thing is that the more we're finding out about the condition, the more that we're finding out that it's much less of an actual bladder disease process than it is, it's much more of a pelvic floor nervous system um, and, and maybe the bladder okay. is going on with that. So the pelvic mm -hmm. floor muscles themselves, if they are, we'll call them dysfunctional, but if they're not functioning optimally, then they can also cause symptoms of urinary urgency and frequency. And as we all know, anything that can be a muscle spasm can also be in pain. And so then we sort of get into mm -hmm. the, the discussion of like, oh, well, is it the pelvic floor or is it the bladder or is it the nervous system? And the reality is, is that it's probably a combination of all three things. Um, but that's mm -hmm. how the pelvic floor, and as we know, especially all your listeners know, that it yes. is the setting for the pelvic floor is part of the core system, right? So it's literally yeah. the floor of your pelvis, um, and it's involved in pelvic stabilization, lumbar spine or, or back stabilization, right? So it's, it's being used in all of that core stability stuff. And so um, that's sort of how those two things are connected. And that's how sometimes yeah. the pelvic floor that isn't functioning well can also create bladder symptoms. So it's not uncommon to have, you know, feeling like you have to pee a lot if you do some pelvic floor yeah. exercises and stuff like that. So hopefully yeah. that makes sense. And if you have... Yeah, if you have those feelings, your pelvic floor muscles aren't functioning optimally. Like you said, they're connected to stability and spine support. They're connected to your frontal core muscles as well. Yes. It creates this chain reaction that does not feed well into exercising. Who wants to exercise when they have to pee right. every 15 minutes? Or if they're worried about leaking or if their crotch hurts? Totally. That's no fun. No fun. Um, and then, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, I was just going to say it's... It it, it creates this cast. I mean, you already kind of referenced this, but it creates a cascading set of problems because people are trying to adjust what they're doing to deal with it, which will just make it worse. So many things are like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then one yeah. of the biggest misconceptions about kind of any pelvic floor condition, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this on your podcast before, but you know, I think it's easy for somebody that has the problem, a bladder problem, maybe postpartum, to assume that those muscles are very um, loose, stretched out, and they might be weak, but they can also be very um, tight or too, trying too hard to yeah. do their job. Hypertonic. 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 Right? So um, that's another thing where somebody with interstitial cystitis or any sort of bladder problem, um, that, that's why they really need to go get assessed by a pelvic physical therapist or take mm -hmm. you know some some. Um, note as to whether your pelvic floor muscles are too tight because they can also be weak in that way. And then the fix mm -hmm. for that, right, is core strengthening, which especially if you have a bladder irritation or interstitial cystitis, then the typical core strengthening exercises that everybody thinks of actually can irritate the bladder even more because mm -hmm. as we all know, like the the big six pack muscle, right, comes right down and attaches to your pubic bone. And that's right where your bladder mm -hmm. is. 
And so um, anything that like contracts that, especially if it's overactive in that way, can irritate the bladder. So it's like, ah, the thing that you think mm -hmm. is starting to help is actually the thing that can be irritating symptoms if you have them. And so, um, yeah, so then, I mean, patients, it's frustrating for, for people to, to try to think that they're doing mm -hmm. something good and they're trying to fix their core and then, dang it, now my bladder symptoms are worse or I'm peeing way more or whatever, so. Yeah, yeah, so, and you know, so where my brain goes, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, so if you think about like the common symptoms for a bladder infection and for this, what are the differences that can help people kind of realize that it's not a, a bladder infection? Yeah, that's actually a really excellent question. It, and to be perfectly honest with you, it's really difficult. Um, and so that's why a lot of times um, we just really encourage people. I mean, patients that have had this problem for a long time will start to be able to really tell the difference between an actual infection and a, I call it a phantom UTI, um, because right, it feels like it, but it's actually not an actual infection. So there's a couple tricks. I mean, there, I mean, obviously the, the infection based symptoms, right? If you have a really bad infection, you're going to have a fever, you're going to feel kind of icky, um, as well, but most people like the urgency, frequency, pain, painful urination part is still there, whether you have an infection or not. So it's all about, um, there's some, you know, self-test strips that you can do. Um, a lot of times people, my patients that have interstitial cystitis will actually have like a standing order with their physician. So they can just go and do a urine test without actually having to make an appointment with their doctor to make sure. Because then the other thing is you don't want to go on antibiotics if you don't actually have an active infection, right? So right. that right. messes up your whole gut and all that stuff. So um, so yeah, so it's really important for, that's where a pelvic health PT can come in as well um, to really decide and help the people figure out like if it's the pelvic floor muscles, if I can go intravaginally and feel pelvic floor muscles and I can reproduce that same feeling of that UTI and after we release those muscles, then those symptoms decrease or go away, then it's like, ooh, that symptom is tricking your brain and it's actually muscle but it's not, it's, um, your brain doesn't know any different. And so that's what we try to sort of separate out um, yeah. what's real and what's not coming from the muscles and nerves. So, but it's difficult. Right. So you're right, it's, it's tough. So is there, is there a broad awareness of this from um, pelvic floor physical therapists? Or I guess what I'm trying to ask actually is, if someone thinks that they might be struggling with this, is it gonna be easy for them to find a healthcare provider of some kind that's going to actually know what they're talking about or see what I'm saying? Super loaded question. But here's the short answer is that, <laughs> is that I think that ultimately pelvic health physical therapists are, are kind of the great first start. And if you have direct access in your, in your state, you can go directly to one of them first. Um, the next best thing is to search for like a urologist or a urogynecologist that actually says on their website or on in their office that they actually have, have um, expertise in, in, in treating that type of condition. Um, mm -hmm. Your GP is likely never going to have heard of it. 
Um, and they get, sometimes those people get a little bit confused with the, the UTI-like symptoms and, oh, it's, it's not testing positive, yeah. so I'm just going to give you antibiotics anyways. Um, and then here's yeah. the other thing that's a little bit frustrating is that this is like one of the biggest misinformation things on the internet that I've ever seen, which is why I ended up writing the book about the condition. Um, because it can be scary if you start to type in urinary urgency, UTI symptoms, and this pops up, interstitial cystitis, yeah. like you go on those things and it's, right, right. it's kind of gloom and doom on, on the internet a little bit about it. Um, but we've had really um, high success rates treating this stuff. And so um, I just really feel like if we get the, the, the why, why is your bladder um, feeling like it has a UTI all the time? Why do you have that pain? And then sometimes it's... 90% muscle, sometimes it's 100% pelvic floor muscle, sometimes it's only 50, 40, but then we can really help to navigate right. the system and get you to a specialist that really does um, specialize in it. And we have a ton of resources on our website about like how, if you've been diagnosed or think you have it, like where should you go first step, second step, third step, um, to make sure you don't sort of get mm -hmm. off track by a, by a well-meaning uh, medical professional that just doesn't quite understand all of the all of the things yeah, that that's never good. deliberately obviously gives yeah. bad information, but, um, there, you know, people's knowledge that people have right. limits to their knowledge, you know, so even doctors, mm -hmm. so it's just yeah. really important yeah. to get the right information. Um, and just know that there's, if you have IC, there's total hope that all those symptoms can go away or, or significantly decrease. And so, um, that's, that's the biggest awesome. message I can get out to about, um, about the condition for sure. So, so yeah. yeah. Chris just muted himself because <laughs> the yeah. coffee shop dance so, party in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's epic it's epic music. I am getting a few raised eyebrows for some of the stuff I'm talking about though. So I bet. Peeing. Awesome. Like awesome. Beth, what were you gonna say awesome. before my last question? Um, I was just saying that where my brain was going, um with all of the core connections mm -hmm. is that this is another good reason um, that I say, hey, on our website, check with your doctor. Even though doctors don't always know, you need to rule out um, medical conditions sure. for bladder stuff. And, and while as an exercise scientist, my brain jumped to fitness reasons and muscle reasons, and neurological reasons for core and bladder dysfunction, that may not always be the case. And this is why it's important for you listening to not just rely purely on online fitness options like mine, um, but to actually go see somebody that is a specialist, like Nicole is saying, because they can help walk you through the steps that will truly rule out things that are not a problem and rule in what is the problem so you can get to the root of it? That way you're not wasting time and money chasing phantom things, as right. she mentioned. Yeah. And you can get better and stronger faster that way. Totally. It's very important. Really cut out a lot of unnecessary stuff if you just kind of get to the root of the issue right away. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So. Right. Yeah. So there's, mm -hmm. and there's a big. Now, go ahead. Oh, I, I was, was just going to say, say that um, oh. <laughs> we're all we're all like so excited to talk we're about. We're excited. This. I was going to say that that no um, when I looked this up, it says the cause. That, like, what are the causes of interstitial cystitis? 
And it says, while the cause of IC is unknown, there are several theories as to what triggers the condition. Some possible causes include defects in the lining of the urinary bladder that cause irritation, bladder trauma, or overstretching. Now, of course, I zone in on the bladder trauma part because yeah. we know that carrying a baby yes. is bladder trauma. It can be. For sure. So yeah, this is an interesting um, thing. So it's true that the cause, they used to think that IC was, was a disruption in the lining of the bladder where the um, actual urine would get in and permeate into the lining of the bladder oh. where the nerves are. Okay. And that's what it feels like to patients for sure. It feels like that a lot of people say, it feels like there's glass in my bladder. There's that kind of stuff. It can be bad. However, the more that we're actually studying about the condition, we find that actually only about 10% of people with IC actually have physical damage to the lining of the bladder. And that's a subset of IC called um, people with Hunter's lesions. Um, And so, Right. So that's, that's a little bit of a, a different breed. They still benefit from physical therapy. They still benefit from movement, but that there's an actual um, bladder lining problem. The other 90%, mm-hmm. while it feels exactly like that, um, it's actually not a huge bladder lining issue. And so, or at least not as much as we once thought that it was. Um, and so that's where some of the like, oh, there's no... C- we don't know the cause. And therefore, when we talk about, oh, is there a cure for this condition and stuff? It's like, it gets a little bit muddled as well, because if you don't have one identifiable um, cause, then you can't have an identifiable cure. However, the symptoms yeah. can definitely be significantly managed and even go away to be people have symptom free. Um, so that, that's a hopeful message, um, because there are, it's Mm -hmm. just, there's just not one thing, right? There's a bunch of different factors that go into it. And like you mentioned, bladder trauma can be one of those things. So, and that can be, be a variety of different ways. Like if the baby was sitting more, um, towards the front anterior pressing on the bladder a lot, um, Mm -hmm. that can either cause actual trauma or just your brain starts to pee so much more often when you're pregnant that then that, (laughs) right. Yeah. That's just in the nature of pressure in there. But then when the baby comes out, then the bladder is like, cool, I'm just going to keep doing that same, that same thing. Right. Mm. So, um, same pattern. Yeah, so this, it's almost like a brain connection that needs to be, you know, reset and dis- and disrupted again. Um, and like uh, we talked a little bit about before, the C-section, um, right above the pubic bone, the, the usually the C-section scar actually um, they move the bladder out of the way, but but the bladder is very mm-hmm. close to that area too. And in some instances, that can actually cause a little bit of bladder trauma. You're scooting a lot of stuff out of the way, right? Get, it, you know, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there can be that, and then that can cause, and then um, the other thing is that the healing process of the C-section scar goes right over the bladder as well, and so if the bladder doesn't have room to expand, um, well, if there's some scar tissue there, if there's some tightness in the abdominal region, if you're not recruiting your core muscles correctly, then that can also perpetuate 
um, not even IC, but just mm. um, urinary urgency, frequency, frequency symptoms, maybe even a little bit of pelvic pain right above the C-section scar, um, which can also lead to the diagnosis of IC, although definitely not causal, you know, like we've talked about. So that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you had a C-section, you're going to have those symptoms yeah. at all, but it's pretty common to have those um, that go together. Okay. Yeah. And, and that scar impacts so many things. Chris, so you had something you wanted to say? Um, well, I just, I don't have a decent way to ask it, I don't think. But what's the question I'm trying to figure out how to ask is, it, it seems like there's a lot of kind of fuzziness and there's a lot of different kind of, you know, causes and, and, and potential outcomes and things. But from a practical standpoint for the woman that's listening to this podcast, like what practically steps should they take if they think they might be struggling with this other than, I mean, obviously they need to go um, talk to a professional, but like what are the practical things that they should be doing or thinking or, you know, you know, for yeah. the average person out there? Yeah. That's a good question. So, um, yeah, because let's not, we, not everybody, the, the, this condition is um, more common than, one pe than people might think. There's about 12 million people in the United States that we think have IC. Wow. So it's actually way more common than it was once thought. However, that's still not a ton of people. Um, and so, yeah, so if you feel like you might have urinary urgency frequency symptoms, if you feel like there might be a little bit of tightness at the, um, or pain actually in your pubic region, um, one of the best things to do and the thing that kills the most birds with one stone, honestly, and we know how important the diaphragm is with the core system, um, is to, to do some deep breathing. Um, obviously this is, is, um, after, you know, you've, done some research and gone to a medical professional, whatever else, um, to make sure that this right. is it. But the first thing that we usually talk about in our practice is calming the nervous system and getting your pelvic floor to actually relax in that state. And so the, one of the ways that we do that, it, where we can kill a lot of birds with one stone is actually engage the diaphragm into, um, your practice. So, which means that you can mm -hmm. just belly breast. I'm sure you guys have talked about this quite a bit. Oh, all the time. Right. And that's so, why I'm smiling. I'm like, ah, this is Yes, great. the connection, right? So the cool thing about mm -hmm. engaging the diaphragm is that it is, you know, we talk about the um, different nervous systems, the fight, flight, freeze response, and then the rest and mm -hmm. digest. And yeah. P, right? So the if you actually engage your diaphragm, you're stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and relax and digest and chill mm -hmm. and don't freak out bladder and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. And then that also, because of where the canister is, right? Where the diaphragm's on top, the pelvic floor is on the bottom. When you deep breath, you take a deep breath, the pelvic floor actually yeah. relaxes as well. And so that can kind of kill a lot of birds with one stone where the, if the pelvic mm -hmm. floor muscles are actually causing some of that bladder irritation, then the pelvic floor can relax. If you engage your diaphragm, your nervous system can calm down a little bit. So it's not going to give that connection, um, that the, the urgent connection to pee. Um, so that's one thing. Um, stretching like in uh, some yoga poses like happy baby mm -hmm. or a T 
deep squat stretch, like kind of some of the stuff that you maybe yes. did before birth, right? Yep. Um, those are yep. some, and we've got that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got that on fit to be all yeah, those, open, so, those open, open, opening the pelvis area, the hip opening. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of um, hip muscles that actually are pelvic floor muscles. So any hip opening kind of a thing, any um, deep squat stretch, if you don't have near hip issues, happy baby's another good one. Um, because it yeah. doesn't, it legs up the wall. Off. Yeah. Feet on the wall. Legs in up like the wall. Yeah. Like, or yep. Yeah. Because the other interesting thing, you guys, is that um, the bladder actually has some connections to the inner thighs. And so yeah. inner thigh tightness, which is kind of some of the reason why if we have to pee, we like cross our legs, right? Uh -huh. um, <laughs> like, yeah, because we're trying to like oh, stop the flow. Um, but yeah, so relaxing some of the inner thigh muscles, doing some inner thigh stretches, however that mm -hmm. works for, for the person, um, that can be really helpful um, in trying to calm down the bladder. So in the book, The Interstitial Cystitis Solution, we do have some cool stretches um, that would benefit anybody like, like Chris was mentioning that maybe thinks that they are having like a little bit of a urgent bladder or pain. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so that's where we can really awesome. go. But inner thigh, pelvic floor relaxation, breathing. Um, yeah, that, so those are great places to start if you think you might have something like this. Um, because that, mm -hmm. that won't hurt anybody. So. so that's another thing is I want to just make sure it's really clear to people that are listening. And if, if you're a member of fit to be or, or you're, um, you know, already really religious about doing your kegels and, and your core work and your transverse and all the things that we do to help bring a, a core that doesn't feel like it's functioning back online. If you're doing the transverse abdominus work or you're doing your kegels, but your symptoms are worsening or it's not helping, you're still experiencing urgency, frequency, pain. Uh, pain is always a no-no. Pain is always something that you want to go get checked out, um, especially when it's very localized. Like she's talking about, it's very local around the pubic bone right above it um, or your bladder itself feels like there's glass in it. These are all things to watch for and feel for and to have that checked out because like she's saying, what you may need is stretching and relaxation. Hey, there's your excuse to Netflix with legs up the wall, you know, for a few days, right? Maybe yeah. not a whole day with your legs up the wall. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, that might be a little extreme. I have trouble walking after that. Um, but knowing the right thing to do is so beneficial. Again, it's going to save you time. At first, it might be like, I don't have time to go to the doctor. I don't have time to get a test that's going to cost me money. Okay, but if you're not able to exercise and you're living in pain, you are worth spending a little bit of money on for sure to take care of. So you don't fall apart because we need exercise. Yeah. So, um, so, so UTI is super, super common. And this other thing is not very common. So I have a suspicion and I'm curious what you guys think about it. I have, suspicion is that you have some of these symptoms, you go to the doctor. And the doctor maybe does a test to see if there's an infection. And they're like, uh, it's not showing that there is one, but let's give you some antibiotics anyway, just to be safe. Because mm -hmm. I feel like that's actually a really common thing, not to throw the doctor under the bus, but I am going to. Is that true that that happens a lot? And if that's the case, should they seek advice of another medical professional before just jumping mm -hmm. into the antibiotic train and 
is yeah. massively overprescribed. There's lots of research that shows that. Yes. And what, what do you think of that? Yeah. So it's super common um, for that to happen. And the biggest thing that I can, that I tell anybody um, that goes to their doctor, I really just want everybody to be really good advocates for their own health and don't be shy to ask your physician yeah. the reason why are we prescribing that if there's no evidence of infection and you can get the prescription filled and not have to take it right the one second away and then maybe uh, that's a good point. yeah you know you can do a little bit of research you can get another opinion um but that it's a very common thing to and, and you know what actually there's um a ton of evidence of that happening actually even more in the male population um, with chronic mm -hmm. prostatitis which actually is connected with ic um so mm -hmm. a lot of guys will go to their urologist, think that they, and they get diagnosed with chronic prostatitis because they feel like they have a UTI or a prostate infection because it's getting irritated and then they get prescribed antibiotics. Okay. I've had people be on antibiotics rounds for years before anybody talks to them mm -hmm. about their core pelvic floor. Oh my goodness. So yeah, oh and then goodness. you have all kinds of other gut issues on top of that. But so the biggest advice that I can give to people is, is, is to be respectfully questioning um, your, your physician, if there's no evidence of infection, if you're just doing a dipstick test versus an actual culture, um, there's, um, it's okay to ask your doctor about that. And if they yeah, give you a really great totally reason okay. as to why, um, then you can try, but, but then also pay attention to if that doesn't work, let's not continue to do the same thing over and over again. Right. Um, for sure. You know, so that's what my best advice would be um, for that. So, but you're right. It's super common occurrence, especially in somebody that doesn't, you know, in my book, we talk about, um, you know, when you go to your doctor, they, they're taught diagnostically to think when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras, right? So, yeah. right. You looks like a UTI. It smells like a UTI. It is a UTI. Here we go. Even if it's my test isn't actually confirming, but a lot of times mm. while I see is still um, not a crazy amount of people that have it. It's more it's more common than the physicians were learning that it that it exists. Yeah. And so they, well, we always yeah. talk about that I see might actually be the horse and not the zebra. And so um, we might not want to die. To well, give my guess is, my guess is because UTI is so common that it's probably underdiagnosed. Yeah. I see is massively yeah. underdiagnosed. So you, you've got 12 million cases in the US, you said, um, I think you said 12 million cases annually. So you're like, well, that's a tiny pop slice of the population, unless it's massively underdiagnosed and it's actually yeah. 100 million or 80 or something right because right, right. a lot of things are are misdiagnosed that are like this where they have very similar symptom uh profiles it, it's just like oh this is what it is and then if they just learn how to deal with it and they take the antibiotics and then it kind of goes away on its own that see that was the uti solved it and it might not be the case at all so yeah. i think people need to educate themselves and buy your book and get a different healthcare provider if they're getting crappy answers. That's what I think. That's kind of an aggressive answer. No, that's Amen. usually how I answer things too. I'm being a little bit more diplomatic here. No, but seriously, that that is again like you just need to be respectfully questioning because they just need to do better research and just make sure too that you're getting like the right research on online and stuff like that. Um, 
from really top people in the field because it can be really confusing, and, but you don't want to go down a mm -hmm. rabbit hole don't need to go down and there's a lot of natural solutions too like if you're um having if you have a history of utis that that involve e coli for instance um there's something called demanos that you can take that's actually shown um to help with um decreasing infections in in that and that's just a that's an over-the-counter you know supplement to take so um there are other options i mean obviously you don't want to let a true uti go rampant um because that can affect your kidneys and stuff but yeah like just be questioning um, mm -hmm. about it. And then I would love to dial back to um, when you were talking, Beth, about Kegeling. Can we go back to that yeah. too? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Yes, please. So you mentioned before about like Kegeling. And um, so people that have IC that actually have been diagnosed with IC that actually have that Kegeling is actually not, not, not mm -hmm. recommended. However, right. as sure that you guys have talked about on your videos and stuff about how you can strengthen the pelvic floor and the core without doing kegels right and you talked oh, yeah. about I'm a, yeah we're all about that i'm sure <laughs> we're all about that people know that i that's, hate kegels actually yeah, they don't understand that those two things can coexist you can still strengthen your core and pelvic mm -hmm. floor without over activating a yeah, what we call a concentric contraction or a Kegel exercise. So I love that you brought that up because I think that 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 finding a way and a good way to 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 do the breath work with the mm -hmm. transversus abdominis contraction, yeah. um, to not do over activating the the true pelvic floor squeeze muscle, right. um, especially if you have some of these symptoms, that can be really helpful also. Um, so you can still mm -hmm. do a lot of core work and we coach people to do that too. You can still strengthen your core um, without over activating the, the pelvic floor component of it. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, so I love that you said that and you yeah. brought that up because that, that's a huge piece of if you have urgency, frequency of urination, any bladder issues, any bladder pain, um, Sometimes people are scared to um, work out and activate their core muscles, but there's a lot of core muscles that have to work coordinated together and it doesn't yes. have to be, it's not all about the Kegeling, so. Yeah, let me speak to that for a second because yes. we have a pelvic floor connections video on fit to be There's actually two different versions. One uh, that we filmed with kids in the room and oh, so I use slightly different language and it's a little bit different setup. And then one with these same exercises, but no kids in the room, more straight anatomical talk. They're both on the same page for our members on fit to be. Um, and when I was researching that routine and, and putting it together, my goal was to have it include all exercises that would move the body and create a natural activation in the pelvic floor without the emphasis on kegels because um, it's already hard enough for me to teach as much as I love it and I'm really good at it, but to, but to teach through a screen and get people to move appropriately and to know that my cues are going to move yes. people and I practice them on real populations to make sure that if, yeah. if the whole group in the room moves the way I just cued them to move and it gets a good result, that's awesome. If half of them were like, what did she just say? That's not a good cue for my videos. And so, but, but teaching a kegel? I especially, nobody can see that thing move. Nobody, nobody knows what's going on good there. Luck. And a lot of, yeah. And, and I, I even, yeah, good about luck. That a little bit like, okay, I, I, I can't come around and check this for you ladies. So, you know, 
And sometimes totally. people can't feel. Honestly, I have a strong totally. pelvic floor. It's been tested nine ways to Sunday, but I still have trouble really feeling it sometimes. And so that's also not necessarily a good measure of what's going on. And so we do know, though, that like you said, the inner thighs are connected. Your transverse abdominis is connected. Your breathing is connected. Yep. So by bringing motions that encourage those things into a routine, we know that we're going to activate the pelvic floor without over-squeezing the darn thing over and over again. Right. And not that Kegels are bad. They're just not my favorite way to work the pelvic floor. A lot wow. of people also miss the part of Kegels that is the relaxation part. And yes. I do teach Kegels in another routine we call basic transverse and Mula Banda. And then we have a full Mula Banda where we really activate and focus the pelvic floor during various motions. Um, but I'm careful to say, hey, this is also something that's going to happen naturally if you're doing these other pieces. So even if you don't feel it, trust that it is happening on some level. You're going through these motions. Your body can't help but do its thing unless it's severely dysfunctional. And if you notice an increase in symptoms while you're doing this thing, that is when you need to go talk to a PT. Yeah, and I yeah, say yeah. that in just about every video we have so because cool. we can, especially as women, but also guys were like, well, something kind of hurts, doesn't feel right, but the rest of me is fine. And I like what I'm doing. So I'm just going to ignore it for a few more days. Right. <laughs> right. Nope. And that's not good. We need to not ignore peeing the pants. We need to not ignore bladder pain. We need to right. not ignore the pain that are down there. Cause those are big red flags. Yeah. Big red flags. Yeah. But then I, I, I'm all about, um, I'm kind of off the Kegel train also, but I feel like people that have like interstitial cystitis for sure. And then other like hypertonic pelvic floor conditions are always so scared to activate their pelvic floors. And we, yeah, as long as it's done in the correct manner with the correct, um, you know, breathing and coordination and stuff. It's, it's okay. It just needs to be, uh, yeah, like you said, it just needs to be, you just need to monitor, um, your symptoms or yeah. if some other weird symptom comes up, like you could have be totally fine to do, go through, you know, some, uh, uh, that video for instance. And if all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm like rushing to the bathroom, yeah. like a lot more than it's like, Ooh, yeah. you might've been hovering right on the edge of a, a little bit of a problem. And then you just got to address mm -hmm. it and then you can go right back to, to activating that, that area. I'm um, just got to figure out, I always talk yes. about figuring out the why, why is that symptom coming up for you? Um, and so you got to yeah. figure out the root problem, but yeah. So I, I love that mm -hmm. you guys talk about that. And, and I think it's really important for people to understand, <laughs> not be scared to activate. Yeah, we talk part. about Oh, yeah. that's fun. So, be. <laughs> so Nicole, as we're kind of um, wrapping things up, yes. I, I know that there's going to be people that are listening to this that are like, oh man, maybe that's me, but small percentage is probably not me. What, what would be your 30 second advice to like the woman that's listening to this, standing in the grocery aisle, you bump into her and she asks you, or I don't know, like what would be the, the practical next steps they should take if they think this might be something they're dealing with or or they know somebody who might be dealing with it? What would you say to them? Yeah, I would, um, that's a really good question. I would say to them um, to make sure you get like a reputable resource to sort of, sort of check off the boxes, you know, if you might think you might have IC or bladder pain, there, there's a couple of other things that it can be too. Overactive bladder, which is a urgency frequency without pain. Um, there's just regular urge, 
urgency of urination. Like maybe your brain bladder connection is a little bit off. So um, we talk about, to do a little bit of a selfless plug, I, I mean, my book is pretty good at, even though it's called the interstitial cystitis solution, it does talk a lot about um, what things aren't icy and what things are okay. icy and that pelvic floor connection to bladder dysfunction in general. So um, that's a good place to start. Okay. Um, and the, uh, you know, if you have IC or you've been diagnosed with it, then the first places to go are um, the Interstitial Cystitis Association also has really good information. There's another thing called the Interstitial Cystitis Network, two organizations um, that also go through, okay. do you have it or do you not have it type of a thing. And so, um, and the biggest advice that I would give is to, to have people not be scared um, if at, at the diagnosis um, and not be scared of the symptoms because the pelvic floor and the mm -hmm. core can be so connected with that, that it doesn't have to be a scary um, medical diagnosis that you get, that you just need to get the right medical team involved, which usually includes a pelvic health PT, a good um, right. doctor that's, that's used to treating it and, and then get and make sure you keep moving and get, get coaching back into that, um, into, into overall just better health and movement of your pelvic right. area. No. But but the awesome main summary. thing is the main thing is education. Don't let the mm -hmm. fear cause yes. you to not do anything. Yes. To take action. Right. Absolutely. So I love that. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll put links in the show notes. But where? So the book is that available on Amazon? Yeah, the book's available on Amazon and okay. um, or anywhere books are sold online, Barnes and Noble, whatever. Amazon's usually the best one. And yeah. yeah. And then my and website. Then what about your website? Yeah. Too. So I have pelvicsanity.com has a lot of information. Um, we actually have a pelvic floor screening pro, uh, dysfunction protocol on there. So you can take a little 10 okay. questions. That's awesome. I saw that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. 10 questions test. If you answer three yes to three or more of those symptoms, then, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction might be likely um, and that you might want to think about getting a pelvic health um, physical therapist on board. Um, you know, to, to help you discern which symptoms are coming from muscles and maybe mm -hmm. which ones aren't. So that's a really cool test to take also. Um, yeah. yeah. And then again, like just not be, just get good, reputable information. Don't be scared and then to keep moving. Um, because the, like, as we said, the, yeah. core, keep moving, keep moving. the core stuff is really important, um, for all pelvic health and, and stuff. And so we need to make sure that we're not scared to move and we can't be scared of our symptoms. So don't let the fear stop right. you. Right. And I would right. add about that test. Um, the yeah. other day I caught myself thinking, because I saw, I saw a post you had about that test, and I thought, no, I don't need that. I don't have that. But the reality is we can develop core dysfunction, pelvic floor dysfunction, anytime. Yeah. We can resolve one thing and then go through a stressful scenario, whether that's a physically stressful scenario or an emotionally stressful scenario. Yes. You spend the week yelling at your kids, that's going to affect your pelvic floor. Totally. Um, I have had a week like that. I've had a week like that where yeah. there's been missing school assignments and <laughs> naughty, naughty language and soap washing out of mouth. See? And, um, you know, so uh, there's been some extra stressors. And I, I think, you know what, I probably need to take that test again because I'm noticing a couple things and maybe my answers will have changed. And totally. I don't want to be on top of that. I don't want to sit over here going, oh, no, I don't have a problem. I'm a professional, yeah. too, so I surely don't have a problem. That is when we can uh, really hurt ourselves by turning a blind eye. And so I'm going to be taking that test. Yeah, perfect. Do it. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good point. <laughs> well, Nicole, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's been super good and informative. Mm -hmm. um, like I mentioned, we'll, yeah, we'll put some things in the show notes and into your book and so forth, but it's been really fantastic. Thank you for carving out some time with us. I really appreciate that. No problem, my guys. Thank you guys so much for all that you guys do on your podcast and your and your program or your, uh, your yeah. fitness stuff. And then um, yeah. just for raising awareness. So it's really just wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for being on. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Okay, friends and fans, if our podcast floats your goat, you should subscribe to fit to be Radio and also follow us on Twitter at fit to be on Instagram at fit to be studio and on Facebook via fit to be Tummy Safe Fitness. That's my rooster. I'd also love for you to join fit to becom so you can work out with me. Plus, that's how we pay our bills that keep our lights on, providing family-friendly workouts that help you make a strategic return to fitness. See you there.